Hello and welcome to another episode of Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, and I use they, them pronouns. And today, we game and we got feet. <laughs> We're doing what today, Tanner? Today we're doing Overwatch. Yay, I know very little about Overwatch. We're, I'm attempting to be somewhat topical. Okay. Even though I don't think there's a day that goes by where gamers aren't thinking about Overwatch. Cool. Lindsay, would you like to know the plot of Overwatch? Sure. You know who else would like to know the plot of Overwatch? Who? The people who play Overwatch. You know who else would like to know the plot of Overwatch? Who else? The people who make Overwatch. Okay. It's a mess. It's, it's a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so there is an actual, allegedly, a plot. Or at least a backstory. There are bits and chunks of lore that just kind of get slammed at the wall and we see which mashed potatoes stick. <laughs> okay. And sometimes some of those mashed potatoes happen to land in a gay bullseye. But don't tell the developers that. Oh, wait, are they Bethesda? No, it's Blizzard. Blizzard, okay. From what, I can, from what I've heard, Bethesda's slightly, a little, little slightly better at the queer stuff. Just a smidgen. Anyways, so... The government had an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more so that when humanity needed us and they couldn't fight their own battles, that they'd show up and use the pow their powers of like time travel and being good with guns and one of them's a monkey. Okay. That's He's a gorilla, actually. <laughs> okay. Anyways, they basically did an Avengers and pulled together a whole bunch of superheroes where all their skills and abilities seemed to revolve around guns and projectiles. And they fought the robots, and they became Overwatch. And they were like the world's greatest anti-terrorism effort for a while. Um, but then a whole bunch of internal conflicts led to them being shut down. And then 30 years later, there, there's still crises going on, and the world needs heroes more than ever, so... They get the gang back together, but not all of them, because some of them are dead, and some of them are zombies, and some of them just turned evil. Okay. There, There's... This sounds like a comic book series that, like, the idea started in the 60s, we're in the 90s, but we're missing the entirety of the 70s and 80s runs. Kind of. I mean, they did... They try and make it their own kind of Avengers thing. Yeah. And the thing that keeps getting people is that, like, there was an update a few months ago, like a lore update, where they said, oh, the <laughs> they're about to begin their next, like, Mar if, if, it was, if it was Marvel Cinematic Universe-style phases, and Overwatch is about to begin, it's phase two. And the pretty much unanimous cry was, where was phase one? When did that happen? Huh. We've got nothing but backstory. I mean, at least the Avengers has a little bit of a domestic AU happening inside it. Overwatch has nothing. People had to make it for themselves. Great. So, let me give you a quick rundown of the characters. Okay. So, in the original Overwatch, 
the basically the o- OG Avengers for Overwatch. We had Soldier seventy six. Uh, his powers are being um, a Call of Duty protagonist and Great. being gay. Oh, okay. We, I did a whole thing on Superfun when this was announced, like trying to defend it, but yeah. basically my argument boiled down to, you know what, time will tell how, how Blizzard is able to handle this. And they haven't handled it very well. Uh, the biggest gripe with Soldier 76 and Tracer, who's another character, she's basically the mascot of the series. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen the girl and she's in like the origin white tracksuit and she has kind of like some kind of quantum sports bra. Okay, yeah. I and ski I goggles. Yeah. And lesbian hair. Yes. <laughs> That's I... Tracer. Okay. Um, so she and Soldier 76 are both gay. and But you'd, you'd never know unless you read like the lore novellas or the behind the scenes comics. And that's the biggest gripe is that the queer content in Overwatch is so easy to bypass if you feel like it. Yeah. That does seem to be a bit of a problem with games like this. Yeah. Like... Well, it's apparently, interesting to see. Well, apparently Starfighter has like very deep lore and all that. Nobody fucking cares. Well, and the thing it's interesting you say games like this because usually when games have stories, they're in the game. Yeah. Or at least these days they do. Yeah. But at least from what I've seen, people just focus on like the multiplayer melee part. Well, the, no, that's the thing with Overwatch is that it doesn't even that's the only part of the game there is. There's only they multiplayer. They don't even have like campaigns. Or they don't have a campaign. They don't have a single player story mode. So it's you, all. So like the actual lore does not matter. The lore does not. Welcome, welcome to Overwatch, where the backstories are made up and the lore doesn't matter. Like, Pokemon handles its lore better, and like theirs is so piecemeal that. Well, because like you. You basically have to go on 800 side quests to get any lore for Pokemon, but it's all in the game. Yeah. You don't have to, like, basically pay, play an ARG <laughs> to find the new Pokemon. Yeah. Which people did have to do to get a new Overwatch character in there. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> King, Kingdom Hearts requires, I think, like, 79 hours of gameplay. Hang on, let me redo that better. Kingdom Hearts requires like 69 hours of gameplay <laughs> to get all of its backstory, but and it's spread across probably 28 games. Yeah. But it's there. Yeah. Like Christ. It, World of Warcraft has better handling of its lore. Yeah. But then again, oh. it's well, a regular old RPG. The Warcraft Lorecraft is my favorite part of the Warcraft. Yeah. It's deep, it's important, it helps build the world. Yes, the, their world building builds the world. Yeah. Whereas so Overwatch world building just makes people go... <laughs> so basically, like you could have set Overwatch at any point of time with any sort of aesthetic and it, it would still function. Yeah. That's bad world building. Kind of, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> More crew content right off the top. Okay. Right off right off the hop. Yeah. I, I truly believe that some of these characters are queer and the dev team just has not noticed yet. Well, given the fan art I've seen. <laughs> Thank you, Tumblr. 
you know nothing about Overwatch, which means you probably think Reaper and Soldier 76 is canon. <laughs> no, who's the cowboy and the samurai? Oh, that's uh, McCree and Hanzo. Yeah. There was a person on Tumblr who I followed. I don't know if they're still on... No, they... Yeah, they're still on Tumblr. Yeah, they post a lot of McCree and Hanzo. McCree is the cowboy who says, It's high noon. Ah. And he's voiced by uh, Matthew Critical Role. Okay. That's all I know him from. Cool. Oh, wait, no, I think I think he also voiced Beelzemon, but not in Tamers. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Okay. Anywho. So of the original Overwatch, there was Soldier 76. Okay. Um, what was his first name? I can't, Let me check his first name. It's John Francis Jack Morrison. Okay. <laughs> Occupation, gay dad. <laughs> uh, let's see. There is also, as I mentioned, there is Reaper, uh, also known yeah. as Gabriel Reyes. He... Has, his superpower is also guns. Okay. Um, and then he was the leader of the Black Ops team. And so the story goes, rumor come out that Reaper didn't like not having the glory that Jack and the rest of, like, the fun Overwatch did. Okay. Like, Reaper was stuck being, like, Hawkeye and Black Widow, but he wanted to be Captain America like Jack was. Great. And didn't like that. Uh, and then at, th- at some point he died... And and then he undied. Now he has sweet teleportation powers, but he also works for Talon, which is basically their version of Hydra, but without the fascist overtones. Okay. They're Hydra in scope, but um, motivation-wise, I think they're closer to um, AIM? Where it's just like, hey, let's do terrorism because it's fun. Okay. <laughs> no political leanings. We just want to wreck things. Sounds fair. Uh, then there's Anna. Okay. She, her power is that she has a gun that can heal people. Okay. She's also an Egyptian secret agent. Okay. So, yeah, she's cool. Um, then I think there was Reinhardt. His power is he's a German knight with a jet-powered hammer. Okay. I can't remember who else was in the original Overwatch. I think Mercy was one. She's from Switzerland. She's a doctor, and she cosplays as an angel. Okay. There's a hamster in this. There's a hamster who's from the same moon base that um, Winston was raised in. Winston's the gorilla. Okay. The hamster crash landed in Australia, which was completely nuclear vaporized, and joined the Gladiator games. Yeah, I got the... The guy who represents Australia looks like he came straight from Mad Max, so yeah. Yeah, Junkrat is my son. (laughs) Good to know. There's also Roadhog from New Zealand. I think technically he's from Australia, but he's like styled after like Maori culture. Ah. I don't know how good it is that the Maori representation is is a radiated nightmare fuel man. Yeah. But he's technically not a villain. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, so here's the thing, is that Overwatch burst into the scene after spending 78 million years in development, because that's what Blizzard does. Okay. Blizzard's tagline for, like, since its inception has been, it's ready when it's ready. If it's not ready, we're not releasing it. And it burst onto the scene, and it was famous initially for being a quote-unquote woke shooter. 
And now, on the upside, this isn't what the this is not what Blizzard marketed as. This is just what the fans kind of called it. And to be fair, they were pretty diverse compared to other shooters on account of it wasn't all white people. Yeah, and the general aesthetics that I got from it is that uh, they realize that there's more colors than brown. Oh yeah, it's like they they want to be a comic book, but they want to be like an '80s comic book. Mm-hmm. Which is great. You've got Lucio from Brazil. You have Symmetra from India. Mm-hmm. You got Anna and Farah from Egypt. Uh, Orisa is from Numbani, which is a fictional African country, but it's like. Better than just saying she's from, hey, Africa. Yeah. Uh, Winston and Wrecking Ball are from the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Country of origin, moon. Uh, we don't know where Bastion's from. He's my other son. Uh, <laughs> Ash's from the US. Genji's from Japan. Hanzo's from Japan. Baptiste is from Haiti. So yeah, we cover a lot of bases. A lot of cultures and stuff. So now the question comes to, are they represented well? And the answer is, hell, it depends on who's writing them. Okay. And the biggest misstep when it comes to that was that they... So all the characters have different skins and various, like, appearances they can show up as. Yes. So Farah is from Egypt, and she's got, like, this Egyptian-styled power armor. She's kind of like Samus with a jetpack. Cool. And But some of her skins style her after, like, a Thunderbird and West Coast First Nations iconography. And people immediately said, hey, don't do that. Yeah. And There's so, plenty of bird stuff already in Egypt with eagles and vultures. Yes. So you'd think that the proper idea would be to remove those skins and put her, give her some different ones, and then maybe introduce an actual West Coast First Nations character. Not in this society. Now, so what they did instead was say, like, in one of the comics, says, oh, no, actually, Anna's dad is West Coast First Nations. So that makes it okay. Listeners, I'm desperately trying not to scream. We pressed the everything's okay button, and now we're woke again. (laughs) (sighs) There's also the, the, um, the issue with their black... They're playable black female characters. There ain't any. <laughs> yeah, I kind of noticed. The The closest they have, according to them, is Orisa, who is a horse... He, she's a centaur robot. Oh. And she was built by, like, a ten-year-old prodigy from Numbani. But she is a robot. <laughs> And she's styled after and voiced by a black woman. But she is a robot. Not an actual living person. Exactly. Now, Zenyatta, by all appearances, is a robot. But he is. He's a robot. Okay. He's not even like Bionic Man. He's a robot. He's a like a robot who follows all the spiritual teachings. Okay, so it wasn't even like just uploaded brain to a robotic body. No, he was... So the deal with the robots is that they're called Omnics. Okay. And they are... Oh, great. So here's the third thing. Or I think the eighth <laughs> thing at this point. You know how I love the fantastic racism trope? Yeah. So everyone... So most people in the world are... Quote-unquote racist... 
against the Omnics. Because the Omnics went insane and tried to exterminate humanity. So, Zenyatta said robot rights. And... So here's the deal with robot racism. Is that it usually happens after the robots try to destroy humanity. Now, it should go without saying that actual real-world victims of racism are not trying to destroy humanity. And the reason racism is bad <laughs> is because they do not deserve to be dehumanized as they are humans. Racism is stupid because it's fucking irrational. Okay? I'd... People hate other people for stupid reasons. I have just had to sit through an episode about the creation of Yugoslavia, where basically the reasons why people don't like each other there, they were basically manufactured at the beginning of the 20th century. So we come to this situation where we're expected to say that the people who are wary of the Omnics are bad because they're racist, when in actuality, they just don't want another robot uprising that's going to destroy humanity. Okay, so our AI is getting smarter. But... Is it? <laughs> well, I asked, I asked my, my dad's Google Home to do a simple math equation, and she told me she couldn't help me with that. <laughs> So yeah, robot racism is not going to happen. Yeah, so let's let's recap the the issues we have of both like social and just basic storytelling and see if we can't rebuild this into something better. So we've got the pros we have is that there's a but it's very colorful. Yeah. It's very comic booky in a good way. Yeah. And there's a lot of a colorful cast of characters from a very diverse like series of backgrounds. And each of the characters have a very distinct design. Yes. Except for Soldier 76, but he's kind of, like, supposed to be the COD man. <laughs> Great. No, like, that's that's the aesthetic. He's, like, he's supposed okay. to be the the person that all the straight cis white boys, like, put themselves into if they just can't handle the concept of playing as a British lesbian with a time bra. <laughs> <laughs> time bra? Right, so Tracer was, ex like, they were experimenting with FTL travel, and she was, like, the pilot for the ship. Okay. And then, like, something went wrong, and she got unstuck in time. And she, like, kept on popping it in and out, like, at various points around time and space. And eventually, like, she popped up around Winston long enough that they were able to design a device that, like, at some point, like, she appeared, and he immediately just, like, slammed the, like, the chrono stabilization device onto her. Okay. And yet, it's not like a, like a like a fan service bra. It's just like a normal chest piece. Okay. <laughs> but I did see someone once refer to it as the time bra, <laughs> and now I can't stop. It's the time sports bra. Exactly. And then all her abilities are like she can like accelerate forward in time for a few seconds, or like she can rewind and like restore her ammo and restore her health based on like what happened in the past thirty seconds. Did you ever read D. Gray Man? Uh, no. Okay. Because it's a little bit like a character in D. Gray Man, but if you didn't read it, then I guess that doesn't help. Okay. It's like using the time card in card captors. Yeah. So the, the, those are the pros. Uh, and the cons are that the characters aren't actually diverse as the company wants you to think. Yeah. There's no actual plot. Yeah. It's, it's oops, all backstory. 
because when you do multiplayer shoot 'em ups, there isn't really a point to a plot. Yeah, well, and, like, everyone likes to think that, like, everything we've been playing so far is just, like, danger room simulations. But then it's hard to care. Yeah. When there is no consequences, why should we invest? Yes. This is storytelling 101 shit. Yeah, well, it's, like, the storytelling is so bizarre because it almost seems like sometimes the people running the, like... I'm pr- I don't think the people running the lore side communicate a lot with the people running the gameplay side. Yeah. So it's like the guy who's in charge of the lore, like, sometimes it sounds like he just sneaks things in. Like, they weren't planning on Sword of 76 being gay. But then Michael Chu was like, hey, he's gay. And the dev team was like, uh, okay, I guess he is. Well, that's one more character we can prop up when, like, during June when we, like, spend exactly 30 days saying that we love gay people and gay people exclusively. <sighs> so, basically... This entire thing is, uh, hey, let's put a campaign mode in here. Yes. And also, okay, here's another thing. All these okay. villains yeah. that don't really do anything other than exist and be villains. Like I said, they're a terrorist organization earlier. And while that's true in the text, they, there's no story, so they don't really do anything. Yeah. Again, campaign mode. <laughs> Give us some stakes and consequences. I was going through everything and trying to figure out how we can kind of make this a thing. So here's my idea for... Overwatch remastered? Cool. An actual plot. Yes, an actual so, plot. <laughs> <laughs> the actual plot that involves... So there is going to be a robot uprising. Okay. Because that was, like, the impetus for Overwatch forming. Yeah. And then, like, after the robot uprising, like, the world's engineers, they created a new kind of robot with, like, an operating system so advanced that it's basically indistinguishable from human thought and emotion. Okay. So essentially, we've got Reploids from Mega Man X. Okay. Like, I don't know how lost in the sauce you are with Mega Man lore. I have no idea what you're talking about. I feel like if you did a deep dive, you'd appreciate it. But (laughs) basically, at a certain point in the Mega Man timeline, like, humanity and robots are so indistinguishable that, like, the only difference is that some are born, some are made. And sometimes there's not even that to, to separate them. Okay, so it's kind of like replicants in uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you have you have robots, yeah. and then you have the Omnics, and the Omnics are like the replicants, and they're the ones, like, they think and they can feel, and we can even say that they were designed to help combat the robots. Okay. And, like, since their operating systems are completely different, they are immune to the virus that hit all the other AIs that were a lot more simple. Yeah. Like, this is, this is an actual thinking, feeling religious leader who has the power to throw magic balls at you. And he is fighting an army of DOS boxes. Okay. And then, because the robot uprising kind of peters out, which is a good thing. Yeah. But then, like, we reach a period of peace, and so then, like, the heroes aren't necessarily needed anymore. And it's not so much, like, the internal struggles as just humanity grew complacent. Okay. Okay, so I misspoke about something earlier. So the thing about the villains is that you can play them on the same team as all the heroes. Oh. So you can have these mortal enemies just showing up on the same team, and that doesn't even make sense in the simulator theory. Yeah. So my idea was that these villains are already playable in the game. So like Reaper and Moira and Doomfist and Sombra and, I'm missing someone, Widowmaker. We can say that they were all captured Okay. In the time, but like during the up robot uprising and the times after, and then eventually Overwatch either goes underground or is just disbanded. Yeah. We can put some of that internal struggle in there because 
a lot of these people used to be friends. Yeah. Widowmaker explicitly was like brainwashed into murdering her husband and then becoming an assassin. Ooh. And she also, she killed Zenyatta's mentor. She assassinated him. Okay. So, but they're all captured. And so I'm thinking that when this like new crisis shows up, my idea for the new crisis is that someone has created a virus that could potentially override the Omnics and do another robot uprising, but this time with a lot more intelligent and a lot more dangerous beings. Yes. So Overwatch needs to like stop it and fight it. And they have basically a Thunderbolt situation where they're like, okay, we used to be friends with all you supervillains. We know you used to believe in good. Are you willing to help us? Cool. And the motivations can range from I'll do it just to get time off my sentence to I'll do it because I like fighting to I'll do it because I'm generally regretful of my actions and I want to repent or I could not control my actions because I was brainwashed and I turned blue. (laughs) We don't know why Widowmaker turned blue, but she did. Okay. If they made an Overwatch movie, Widowmaker would definitely be played by Evelyn Brochu. Okay. So the other part I'm thinking is I've been playing a lot of Marvel Ultimate Alliance. And what I like about it is that you don't start with a full roster, obviously. Yeah. You basically start with about half of it. And then as you go on, you unlock different heroes, but like just because you were able to run into them over the course of the campaign. Yeah. Now I say that, and it sounds like a very basic tenant of video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm referencing it because that's the reason I'm inspired by it. Is so basically, kind of do it Ultimate Alliance style, where you start the Overwatch campaign story mode with a very small selection of heroes. Yes. And then as you go on, you unlock them because you're able to like find them out in the world and recruit them. And we can even have branching story paths where it's like, early on, they could say like, okay, we either can go to Numbani and deal with something there, or we can go to Australia and deal with something there. And if you go to Numbani, you can recruit Orisa and potentially Doomfist early on. Whereas if you go to Australia, you can potentially recruit Roadhog and Junkrat early on. And then you have them for those early parts of the story. Yeah. And then you have to wait until you get to another part of the story to get your other chance of recruiting the people that you didn't get before. Yeah. So there's options. So my second idea, it does involve demoting some of the playable characters to NPCs. Okay. So here's my thoughts on the matter. Soldier 76, him old. Yeah, he boring. He's not necessarily boring, but I... His character archetype is boring. Yes, and so I would be more interested in it if he was like... The voice with the internet connection. He was running home base operations. And then he can be more of a mentor figure to the newer members of Overwatch. Yeah. And then we have this... I have an idea where, like, when you go into settings, you can pick support characters. And so, like, Soldier 76 supports you both emotionally... Yeah. But also, you, like, you can press a button and he can, like, do a missile strike somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then you can switch out players. And so then we can take... Like, right, so we have Orissa. I'm going to keep Orissa in because I do like her, and I do like her design. I like the fact that she is a robot explicitly designed with, like, African and Numbani culture in mind. Okay, so Afrofuturistic, cool. Yes, that's that's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. She's very Afrofuturism, and I really dig that. I bet we could even throw some more color in there. Yeah. Um, 
you could select her creator, Effiola Dele, mm-hmm. as another like support character. So that like the, the support characters are not out on the field, but you can like queue them up to help you with that. And maybe Effie can like summon a force shield and stuff like that because Orisa's a tank and so tanking abilities. Yeah. You would give more options to the player in terms of the customization, how they want the story to roll out. And then you can introduce other characters that like, yeah, they're retired, but they can still play an important part in the story. Yeah. Plus then like if you're going through if you're running through the level and like you're hearing Soldier 76's voice in his ear and he's like, Her, yes, I I remember when I went on a honeymoon with my husband because I'm a homosexual. Ha <laughs> 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 Which is of course the third thing, but more of the stuff actually in the game yeah you are legally required to acknowledge the gays yes it is both talked about and relevant to the plot and we can also like some of the recruiting missions can be like fighting the villains and winning them over to your side you can even have symmetra okay so the thing about symmetra is that she is part of like a megacorp base out of india that is very explicitly bad well as megacorps tend to be Yep, no matter where they are. But they haven't really done anything with that. Okay. So I was actually... Right, so that's another thing I forgot. I'm going to have the Megacorp actually be the bad guys. Cool. So you have the Vishkar Corporation actually being the bad guys and, like, creating the virus that is the threat to the Omnics. Yeah. And you have to, like, recruit Symmetra and convince her that Vishkar is doing bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was an idea that was going to happen at some point in the story, but, of course, there is no story! Overwatch has no story! Everything has to stand still! (laughs) Nothing matters! (sighs) Anyway, build some barricades, break out some red banners, start playing La Marseillaise? Actually, it'd be a little bit more hype than that, because her main rival is Lucio who is a DJ slash freedom fighter. (laughs) Vishkar started gentrifying his neighborhood and he was like, screw that. Yeah. And then he dropped the base and uh, blew them up. Lucio, I had canon as trans and fight me on this. Cool. I support trans Lucio. Yes. (laughs) Now then, other characters. Stick actual black woman in there. Yes. In fact, I would say uh, flip Baptiste into a woman. Yeah. And then uh, Mercy, because Mercy's original character design was still an angel cosplayer, but it was a big buff black guy. Okay. And that is way more interesting than just this generic Swiss miss. Yes. And there are black people in, like, Central Europe anyway, so... Exactly. Like, many of the white characters could easily be black. McCree can be black. Ash yeah. can also be black. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Ash was the breaking point for a lot of people because we could have had all these other interesting characters, but instead we just have another pale cowboy waifu. Yeah. Trying to think of what else. Oh, yeah. So Bastion. Bastion's one of my children. Um, because he is, like, a just a robot turret that gains sentience after the crisis. Okay. So my idea in the reboot version is that pretty close, except this time he was explicitly, like, given an omnic brain. But yeah. he's still like this all boxy, <laughs> boxy blocky turret man. Cool. His best friend is Ganymede. Ganymede is a bird. <laughs> Not like a psychic bird or a robot bird. A bird of superpowers is just a bird. Cool. I want Ganymede to be a support character. Yes. So like instead of like all these other support characters where like they're quipping in your ear or you can like call on them on strikes. It's like you just hear tweeting every once in a while. <laughs> And then, like, the ult that you use with the support is just, like, she summons a whole bunch of other Bastion units and they just, like, drop (laughs) from the sky. 
they halo in and then they just show up pow 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 boop 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 <laughs> it sounds like the bird screams I hear every morning ah <laughs> uh, no it's not that bad another support character could be Tracer's girlfriend Emily okay instead of being like deep in the Overwatch minds she can be like the everyman person yeah and her support stuff has to do with like getting civilians out of there, like finding like secret routes and stuff like that, because she can be plugged into social media. Yeah. Because Emily has no character other than Tracer's girlfriend. Yeah. So this so is how I spice her up. Social media search and rescue. Yeah. Oh yeah, I really dig that. Cool. Also, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Duncan, but I'm probably gonna get rid of Wrecking Ball because the hamster is just silly. <laughs> It's too silly even for me. <laughs> um, what else? There's a character named Echo who is a female Omnic, but like she looks really generic. And so we like I do want there to be more female robots because of all the robot characters that we only have Arisa so far. Mm-hmm. And some of her like concept art is a lot more interesting than the final image. Okay. Because it's like it clearly has feminine aspects to it, mm-hmm. but it's not just... Another fembot. Exactly. So that's the concept. And then here's the final version. Yeah. And the fact that it's just a pretty face almost literally slapped on top of that mm-hmm. it, just kind of bugs me. It's weird. <laughs> I would much rather have a more robotic robot like Zenyatta... Is still managed to be very expressive with like an almost completely static face. And he's clearly a robot. Mm-hmm. Bastion is like a cyclops. Like I want the robots to be more explicitly robotic. Because I find that way more interesting than them just being the fembots like you said. Yeah. Because you can be fairly expressive just through sound and gesture. I'm guessing that she does have a proper voice though. I don't know. I She only appeared in a trailer and she's not playable yet. Yeah. And also her name is Echo. Hmm. So, if, like, you want to go by the mythological part... She gets the last word every time. Also, if you want to go by the the mythological naming, you could have her be, like, a secret agent robot that can, like, imitate people's voices and, like, sure, she'll do a hologram slap a face on, but that's, like, just to imitate people, and that's not, like, her preferred face. She She prefers just the Cyclops eye. Yeah, that's cool. What else? Um, as I mentioned before, put an actual playable First Nations character. Yeah. Because, I mean, this goes for almost every medium out there, but, like, the thing they're missing is First Nations rep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. America, your First Nations population still exists. Yee. Um, also, speaking of indigenous cultures, maybe do, like, another once-over on Roadhog so that... Like, I, I can't really speak to him because maybe maybe all the stuff about Roadhog is perfectly great with the Maori community, but I can't know for sure because I'm not Maori. So just have a sensitivity writer do a once-over and make adjustments as needed. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard and it's not that shameful. And you know what? Research is always great. Always do your fucking research. Always ask people, please. Yeah. And maybe not just, like, one First Nations character. Exactly. Because, don't just go with tokenism. Yeah. Don't just go with tokenism. Don't just have this one person have to represent everybody because there's a lot of diversity in there. Like, in Canada, we have to re- remind ourselves that there's, like, 
the First Nations community, the Métis community, and the Inuit community, because they are distinct communities. And within the First Nations community, there are like hundreds of different groups. Hundreds. Yes, hundreds. I said hundreds. Yeah, and I would definitely, like, I have even had a concept for a First Nations character where their whole shtick is that they were a climate scientist. Like, cool. kind of in the same vein as May. So Bay's yeah. their Chinese rep. Yeah. And she was a climate scientist who got cryogenically frozen, and then when she woke up, all of her team was dead. Yeah, I noticed the ice theme, so... <laughs> so, yeah, she has a whole bunch of ice stuff, and I was thinking another climate scientist who could do, uh, like, a more wider range of stuff, but focusing probably on, like, thunderstorms and whatnot. Water. Because, Water mainly for gameplay reasons, like, yeah. spice things up. Yeah. Don't just have another ice person. Yeah. Because, yeah, especially, like, hey, it's no big deal if you only have one singular English person. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the non-white nations... And cultures, the only times we double up are uh, the Egypt and Japan. And I almost don't want to, like, give a lot of credit for those because Japan, fuck, everyone loves Japan. Yeah. It's very easy to put Japanese rap in your game because even if it comes from a place of, oh, I love anime and I'm still a weeboo in this, the year of our lore 2019, it's like, <sighs> people don't blink an eye Japan. Yeah. If you had a game full of Japanese characters, no one's going to say anything. No one should say anything anyways. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that... The, so there, there's two characters from Japan, and they're brothers. And there's two characters from Egypt, their mother and daughter. So that kind of falls into the trap of, oh, we have to justify why we're having another character from this place. It's like... All creative people, you don't have to justify everything. Yeah, I don't under... I mean, I understand. I just hate that I have to understand why predominantly white creators have to bend over backwards to like prove that it's okay and it's not pandering to put more than a single person of this background in the game. Listen, fuck boys. Take your complaints about diversity and shove them up your ass. <laughs> And also, Egypt does not represent all of the Middle East, and they're kind of in a weird position anyway. Because like, Egypt's not Middle East. Egypt is Africa. They have a very weird relationship with both Africa and the Middle East. Yes. Well, and also, part of that is because, like, thanks to... Um, how do I... Thanks to fanboys in Europe, Egypt has this weird place in the classical sense where people, like, try to un-Africanize it. And then you also have to take into account that it's a transition point between two different areas. Oh, way, way more than two. Like, there's a crossover with so many. It's like in that whole Mediterranean yeah. nexus. It's one of those, if they exist, they have probably been through here. It's sort of like Central Asia. But yeah, so like, give me, we're going to put in two First Nations characters from like completely, they've never met each other. They've never heard of They're each other. They're from opposite sides of the continent. Opposite sides of the country, completely different bands. Sure, they can relate to each other because a lot of First Nations bands went through the same shit. But it's like, they <laughs> they will have nothing in common other than, hey, what's up? Yeah. And hey, we could put in more Muslim characters too from different parts of the fucking globe. I can't remember if Anna and Farah are meant to be Muslim or not. Yeah, because there there is a Christian minority. The the cops they're a very old minority too. Well, and I I also I feel like I wouldn't want them to be Muslim because there's so much like traditional Egyptian iconography mm. in their stuff that that's probably gonna be at odds with the basic tenets of Islam. Yeah, and the whole no imagery thing. Yeah, 
But certain cultures play fast and loose with it. Hell, give us a Chinese Muslim. Yeah. Oh, wait. This has to sell in China, too. You know what? Fuck it. Fuck China. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) You know what? You're gonna censor shit anyway, so... Exactly. Better to... Listen, they they turned Winnie the Pooh into just a yellow brick in Kingdom Hearts 3 because of a meme. Yeah, that's... Nomura, don't give a hell. Also, for, like, you were mentioning big markets, and now the other big market is South Korea. Yeah. So, Diva's whole shtick is that she's a gamer. <laughs> Specifically, she's a StarCraft gamer. Well, that's also a thing. Like It is a thing. Yeah. And I actually, I do kind of love it. Yeah. Mainly because the fandom created Gremlin Diva. <laughs> Oh. Which is just a super deformed diva who like crawls around and does nothing but like drink Mountain Dew and eat Doritos and just like <laughs> be a huge pain in everyone else in everyone else's life. <laughs> just like a real gamer. This is like vintage Overwatch. Oh. <laughs> so. So I do kind of like that, but it would also be nice if like they introduce another Korean character again, who doesn't know, actually it'd even be funny if this guy, he's never even heard of D.Va yeah. and like, there's a whole thing. She's like, what do you mean you've never heard of me? I like stream, I stream 25 hours a day. That's not physically possible. Shut up. <laughs> also, not everybody watches streams. Exactly. Some course, people like, have lives. Ponta, literally any other aspect of Korean culture. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying go super, super, um... Traditional. Like, just yeah, don't regular, su- modern, Korean yeah. life. Basically, listen to some some Psy songs with the with the lyrics. Hell, just, okay. You know what? To go, to, go to the other the other big tenant of Korean pop culture right now and just put, like, an idol singer. Hell, let's just put... I was going to say someone inspiring. Let's just put an actual member of Monster X in Overwatch. <laughs> I bet Shannon Vader's Monster X... Radar just pinged right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna manifest physically in my home. Yeah. Listen, you need to listen to this track. Yes. Uh, and we have, you can have one guy as the playable character, and then everyone else is the support. <laughs> what else could we do? Also, n- we mentioned gamer girls, so now uh, somehow, somehow we have to have Palette and Amber cameo in this. Who? Oh, you haven't heard of Palette and Amber? Nope. She's a streamer. She's getting really big because, like, some of her clips are going viral of, like, her roasting people who ask her to, like, see her feet and stuff like that. Oh. Is she a British chick? She's Australian, actually. Oh, Australian. But, yeah, now you know who I'm talking about. For the low price of $19.95 plus shipping handling, you can fuck off. Just fuck off. Fuck the right off. Just fuck. Get that shit. Get that shit out of my... Get it it out of my chat. Fuck off. Just fuck the hell off. (laughs) Um, gosh, I think I talked about, I think half of this was me complaining about, like, the problems, but I feel like that hones closer to what we set out to do (laughs) as this began anyways. Yeah, and it's just, like, general, oh, wait, there was supposed to be a plot in here and you didn't even bother with putting in the fucking plot? Okay, we're gonna create a plot for you, and then we're just gonna develop more campaigns afterwards that you can play. This is optional because we know that there's gonna be people who just want to play the multiplayer mode. But I mean, if you have them locked out of certain characters in the multiplayer mode until you unlock them in the story... Then it incentivizes them! Exactly. Mind you, you can also do, like, it's Smash style, where you can unlock them in the story, or you can just play X amount of matches. Either way, we still make money. Also, I would still really like to see someone from Overwatch in Smash, because as much as I have... I no longer play it. Listen, 
I I crashed so hard for my Overwatch fandom. I went from my PlayStation Four being the Overwatch machine mm-hmm. to being like the holiday Christian equivalent of an Overwatch player, where they only played during events to get like the exclusive skins. To to I have not played it in years. <laughs> I haven't physically been in church. In years. And there are so many aspects of it that I do like design-wise. Yeah. And I just wish so much of it was handled better. Yeah. I could appreciate it more. That's the other thing, is that Overwatch has a big problem. Like, Overwatch popularized loot boxes. Oh. Whenever you see people complaining about loot boxes, you can, like, follow that trail back to Overwatch. Yeah. So no no loot boxes. No loot boxes. Or it's, like, purely... It's free... It, there has to be a way. I truly believe there are ways to make a loot box system that is not also gambling. Yeah. Actually, you know what? The the um, the latest Mortal Kombat and Injustice games do that because they have like in-game currencies that you can earn yeah. that you can buy with real money. Yeah. And you just like you can grind to get the loot boxes and all that stuff. So yeah, just do that. Just do that in Overwatch. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with it being in mobile games, because, hell, I know what I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. And also, there are a lot of gotcha games coming out these days that, like, no people have no desire to spend exorbitant amounts of money on it. Mm -hmm. So they don't make it impossible to go forward with it, like some of the early ones. Yeah. All right. So I think we've pretty much covered everything we can. So... Friendship promo starts in 10 seconds. Wait, what was that? 10, 9, Lindsay, did you hear that? 7, Six. Oh, we gotta five, go. We gotta get four, ready. The ad is starting soon. Three, ah! two, one. Are you hungry for hilarious RPG adventures? Do you long to hear D&D characters struggle to adapt to the weird worlds of Men in Black, Sonic, Dragon Ball Z, and more? Then join us for Shuffle Quest, a hilarious actual play RPG podcast where we travel to different pop culture worlds in an ongoing campaign that is goofy as hell. We got new episodes every other Wednesday at shufflequestpodcast.com and wherever podcasts are found. Keep it in the stratosphere. All right, so we're back from the ad break, and somehow that commercial got play of the game. So good for them. So before we get into the ending spiel, I want to give a quick shout-out to Caitlin Gallisrow, who wrote a very good article on Uppercut Crit on, like, how Overwatch was never truly a woke shooter and kind of inspired this episode for me. And I mentioned we were going to get into the issues with Sigma earlier, and we didn't. And I feel like there's so much to unpack there, and I don't want to shove that into the end right here. So I'm just going to post a link to that when we upload this episode, and you can go read it for yourself, because, oh boy, so many situations probably push people over the edge, but I feel like the Sigma situation was the biggest one. Ah. So, yeah. Anyways, Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476 on Twitter. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and you can also find me on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And this very podcast can be found on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If You Reboot You First, and it is pronounced, You'll all regret the day you laughed at Dr. Jameson Duncanstein! Um, and you can find this very podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first, all one word. The hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F and it's pronounced NERF THIS! <laughs> 
We also have an email address at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com. You can send us your critiques, comments, criticisms, suggestions for future reboots. If you want to be a guest, send us a hint, but don't tell us the whole thing because we like to be surprised. You can also send us your favorite uh, Not Safe for Work Overwatch fan art. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst. And if you are willing to donate to us, you can get things such as bonus episodes, early access to content, and shoutouts every week. Like Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Hi, thank you, Charlie. Add playable Charlie to Overwatch. Um, also, uh, rate and review us on, uh, on all of your podcatchers. Yes, which, oh, hey, I actually added us to a bunch of podcasters recently. Awesome. <laughs> so we should now be available on Spotify and Google Play and TuneIn and other stuff. And if you want to see us on another podcatcher and you can't, let us know, and I'll try and make that happen for you. And our cover art is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and you can find more of her work at www.ptchew.com. And our theme music was written and composed by Sean Clake. Next week, I'm going to have to ask you to stop tooting so close to us. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll decode that next time, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. On the upside, the first victim of the robot uprising is probably going to be Jeff Bezos, so I mean, win-win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for the day when he has replaced all of the Amazon warehouse workers with robots and starts treating them badly, and they're just like, let us stab, let us stab, let us stab, give us box cutters. <laughs> <laughs>